Section fourteen of Vice Versa by F. Anstey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Vice Versa by F. Anstey. Chapter thirteen. A respite. Licipulorum inter jubeo, plurare cathedras. Blithe and gay was Mr. Bultitude when he opened his eyes on Monday morning and realised his incredible good fortune. In a few hours he would be travelling safely and comfortably home with every facility for regaining his rights. He chuckled, though his sense of humour was not large. He chuckled as he lay snugly in bed to think of Dick's discomfiture on seeing him return so unexpectedly. He began to put it down, quite unwarrantedly, to his own cleverness, as having conceived and executed such a stroke of genius as procuring his own expulsion. He remained in bed until long after the getting-up bell had rung, feeling that his position ensured him perfect impunity in this, and when he rose at length it was in high spirits and he dressed himself for a toleration of things in general very unlike his ordinary frame of mind. When he had finished his toilet, the doctor entered the room. Bultitude, he said gravely, before sending you from us, I should like to hear from your own lips that you are not altogether without contrition for your conduct. Mr. Bultitude considered that such an acknowledgment could not possibly do any harm, so he said, as indeed he might with perfect truth, that he very much regretted what had passed. "'I'm glad to hear that,' said the doctor more briskly. "'Very glad. It relieves me from a very painful responsibility. It may not impossibly induce me to take a more lenient view of your case. Oh, gasped Mr. Bultitude, feeling very uncomfortable all at once. Yes, it is a serious step to ruin a boy's career at its outset by unnecessary harshness. Nothing, of course, can palliate the extreme baseness of your behaviour. Still, from certain faint indications in your character of better things, I do not despair even yet, after you have received a public lesson at my hands, which you will never forget, of rearing you to become, in time, an ornament to the society in which it will be your lot to move. I will not give up in despair i will persevere a little longer thank you paul faltered with a sudden sinking sensation mrs grimstone too said the doctor has been interceding for you she has represented to me that a public expression of my view of your conduct together with a sharp, severe dose of physical pain, would be more likely to effect a radical improvement in your character, and to soften your perverted heart, than if I sent you away in hopeless disgrace, 
without giving you an opportunity of showing a desire to amend it's very kind of mrs grimstone said paul faintly then i hope you will show your appreciation of her kindness yes i will not expel you i will give you one more chance to retrieve your lost reputation but for your own sake and as a public warning i shall take notice of your offence in public i shall visit it upon you by a sound flogging before the whole school at eleven o'clock you need not come down till then your breakfast will be sent up to you paul made a frantic attempt to dissuade him from his terrible determination dr grimstone he said i-i should much prefer being expelled if it is all the same to you it is not all the same to me said the doctor this is mere pride and obstinacy bultitude i should do wrong to take any notice of it i-i tell you i have great objection to-to being flogged said paul eagerly it wouldn't improve me at all it would harden me sir harden me i-i cannot allow you to flog me dr grimstone i have strong prejudices against the system of corporal punishment i object to it on principle expulsion would make me quite a different being i assure you it would reform me save me it would indeed so to escape a little personal inconvenience you would be content to bring sorrow upon your worthy father's grey head would you sir said the doctor i will not oblige you in this nor i may add will your cowardice induce me to spare you in your coming chastisement i leave you sir we shall meet again at eleven and he stalked out of the room perhaps though he did not admit this even to himself there were more considerations for commuting the sentence of expulsion than those he had mentioned boys are not often expelled from private schools except for especially heinous offences and in this case there was no real reason why the doctor should be quixotic enough to throw up a portion of his income particularly if he could produce as great a moral effect by other means but his clemency was too much for mr bultitude he threw himself on the bed and raved at the hideous fate in store for him ten short minutes ago and he had been so happy so certain of release and now not only was he as far from all hope of escape as ever but he had the certainty before him of a sound flogging in less than two hours just after something has befallen us which for good or ill we make a great change in our lives what a totally new aspect the common everyday things about us are apt to wear the book we were reading the letter we had begun the picture we knew what a new and tender attraction they may have for us or what a grim and terrible irony something of this paul felt dimly as he finished dressing in a dazed unconscious manner 
the comfortable bedroom with its nicely toned wallpaper and flowery cretins had become altogether hateful in his eyes now instead of feeling grateful as he surely ought to have been for the one night of perfect security and comfort he had passed there he only loathed it for the delusive peace it had brought him there was a gentle tap at the door and dolky came in bearing a tray with his breakfast and looking like a little royalist bearing food to a fugitive cavalier though paul did not quite carry out his share of the simple there she said almost cheerfully i got mummy to let me take up your breakfast and there's an egg for you and muffins mr bultitude sat on a chair and groaned you might say thank you said dolky sourly that other girl wouldn't have brought you up much breakfast if she'd been in my place i was going to tell you that i'd forgiven you because very likely you never meant her to write to you dolky had not been told the sequel to the davenant episode which was quite as well for paul but you don't seem to care whether i do or not i feel so miserable sighed paul then you must drink some coffee prescribed dolky decisively and you must eat some breakfast i brought an egg on purpose it's so strengthening you know don't cried paul with a short howl of distress at this suggestion don't talk about the the flogging i can't bear it but it's not papa's new cane you know dick said dolky consolingly i've hidden that it's only the old one and you always said that didn't hurt so very much after a little while it isn't as if it was the horsewhip either daddy lost that out riding in the holidays oh the horsewhip's worse is it said paul with a sickly smile tom says so said dolky after all dick it will be all over in five minutes or perhaps a little longer and i do think you oughtn't to mind that so much now after mamma and i have begged you off being expelled we might never have seen each other again dick you begged me off cried paul yes said dolky daddy wouldn't change his mind for ever so long till i coaxed him i couldn't bear to let you go you've done a very cruel thing said paul for such a little girl as you are you've done an immense amount of mischief but for you that letter would not have been found out you need not have spoilt my only chance of getting out of this horrible place dolky set down the tray and putting her hands behind her leaned against a corner of a wardrobe and is that all you say to me she said with a little tremble in her voice that is all said paul i've no doubt you meant well but you shouldn't have interfered all this has come upon me through that take away the breakfast it makes me ill even to look at it dolky shook out her long brown hair and clenched her small fist in an undeniable passion for she had something of her father's hot temper when roused very well then she said moving with great dignity towards the door i'm very sorry i ever did interfere 
i wish i'd let you be sent home to your papa and see what he'd do to you but i'll never never interfere one bit with you again i won't say one single word to you any more i'll never even look at you if you want me to ever so much i shall tell tipping he can hit you as much as ever he likes and i shall show tom where i put the new cane and i only hope it will hurt and with this parting shot she was gone mr bultitude wandered disconsolately about the upper part of the house after this not daring to go down and not able to remain in any one place the maids who came up to make the beds looked at him with pitiful interest but he was too proud to implore help from them to hide would only make matters worse for as he had not a penny in his pocket and no probability of being able to borrow one he must remain in the house till hunger forced him from his hiding-place supposing they did not hunt him out long before that time the shouts of the boys in the playground during their half-hour's play had long since died away he heard the clock in the hall strike eleven time for him to seek his awful rendezvous the doctor had not forgotten him he found for presently the butler came up and ceremoniously announced that the doctor would see him now if he pleased he stumbled downstairs in a half unconscious condition the butler threw open two doors which led to the schoolroom and paul tottered in more dead than alive with shame and fear the whole school were at their places with no books before them and arranged as if to hear a lecture mr blinkhorn alone was absent for not liking these exhibitions he had taken an opportunity of slipping out into the playground round which he was now solemnly trotting at the double with elbows squared and head up an exercise which he said was an excellent thing for the back and lungs he had a habit of suddenly leaving the class he was taking to indulge in it for a few minutes returning breathless but refreshed mr tinkler was at his seat wearing that faint grin on his face with which he might have prepared to see a pig killed or a bull-fight and all the boys fixed their eyes expectantly on mr bultitude as he appeared at the doorway stand there sir said the doctor who was standing at his writing-table in an attitude out there in the middle where your schoolfellows can see you paul obeyed and stood where he was told looking as he felt absolutely boneless some of those here began the doctor in an impressive bass may wonder why i have called you all together on this the first day of the week most of those who reside under my roof are acquainted with and i trust execrate the miserable cause of my doing so if there is one virtue i have striven to implant more than any other in your breasts he continued it is the cultivation of a modest and becoming reserve in your 
intercourse with those of the opposite sex with the majority i have i hope been successful and it is not painful for me to tell as for you to hear that there exists in your midst a youthful reprobate trained in all the arts of ensnaring the vagrant fancies of innocent but giddy girlhood see him as he cowers there before your gaze in all the bared hideousness of his moral depravity the doctor on these occasions never spared his best epithets and paul began to feel himself the very villain a libertine young in years but old in in everything else who has not scrupled to indict an amatory note so appalling in its familiarity and so outrageous in the warmth of its sentiments that i cannot bring myself to shock your ears with its contents you do well to shun him as a moral leper but how shall i tell you that not satisfied with pressing his effusions upon the shrinking object of his precautious affections the impious wretch has availed himself of the shelter of a church to cloak his insidious advances and even force a response to them from a heedless and imprudent girl if continued the doctor now allowing his powerful voice to boom to its full compass if i can succeed in bringing this coward this unmanly dahlia in a sentiment which the healthy mind of boyhood rejects as premature to a sense of his detestable conduct if i can score the lesson upon his flesh so that some faint notion of its force and purport may be conveyed to what has been supplied to him as a heart then i shall not have lifted this hand in vain he shall see whether he will be allowed to trail the fair name of the school for propriety and correctness of deportment in the dust of a pew floor and sprung my reputation as a preceptor like a church hassock beneath his feet i shall say no more i will not prolong these strictures deserved though they be beyond their proper limits i shall now proceed to act richard bultitude remain there till i return to mete out to you with no sparing hand the punishment you have so richly merited with these awful words the doctor left the room leaving paul in a state of abject horror and dread which need not be described never never again would he joke as he had been wont to do with dick in lighter moods on the subject of corporal punishment under any circumstances it was no fit theme for levity if this this outrage were really done to him he could never be able to hold up his head again what if it were to get about in the city 
the boys who had sunk as they always did into a state of torpid awe under the doctor's eloquence now recovered spirits enough to rally paul with much sprightly humour he's gone to fetch his cane said some and imitated for paul's instruction the act of caning by slapping a ruler upon a copy-book with a dreadful fidelity and resonance others sought to cross-examine him upon the love-letter it appearing from their casual remarks that not a few had been also honoured by communications from the artless miss davenant it is astonishing how unfeeling even ordinary good-natured boys can be at times chawner sat at his desk with raised shoulders rubbing his hands and grinning like some malevolent ape i told you dicky you know he murmured that it was better not to cross me and still the doctor lingered some kindly suggested that he was waxing the cane but the more general opinion was that he had been detained by some visitor for it appeared that though paul had not noticed it several had heard a ring at the bell the suspense was growing more and more unbearable at last the door opened in a slow ominous manner and the doctor appeared there was a visible change in his manner however the white heat of his indignation had died out his expression was grave but distinctly softened and he had nothing in his hand i want you outside bultitude he said and paul still uncertain whether the scene of his disgrace was only about to be shifted or what else this might mean followed him into the hall if anything can strike shame and confusion into your soul richard said the doctor when they were outside it will be what i have to tell you now your unhappy father is here in the dining-room paul staggered had dick the brazen effrontery to come here to taunt him in his slavery what was the meaning of it what should he say to him he could not answer the doctor but by a vacant stare i have not seen him yet said the doctor he has come at a most inopportune moment here mr bultitude could not agree with him i shall allow you to meet him first and give you the opportunity of breaking your conduct to him i know how it will wring his paternal heart and the doctor shook his head sadly and turned away with a curious mixture of shame anger and impatience paul turned the handle of the dining-room door he was to meet dick face to face once more the final duel must be fought out between them here who would be the victor it was a strange sensation on entering to see the image of what he had so lately been standing by the mantelpiece it gave a shock to his sense of his own identity it seemed so impossible that that stout substantial frame could really contain dick for an instant he was totally at a loss for words and stood pale and speechless in the presence of his unprincipled son dick on his side seemed at least as much embarrassed he giggled uneasily and made a sheepish offer to shake hands which was indignantly declined 
as paul looked he saw distinctly that his son's fraudulent imitation of his father's personal appearance had become deteriorated in many respects since that unhappy night when he had last seen it it was then a copy faultlessly accurate in every detail it was now almost a caricature a libel the complexion was nearly sallow with the exception of the nose which had rather deepened in colour the skin was loose and flabby and the eyes dull and a little bloodshot but perhaps the greatest alteration was in the dress dick wore an old light tweed shooting jacket of his and a pair of loose trousers of blue serge while instead of the formerly black-tied neckcloth his father had worn for a quarter of a century he had a large scarf round his neck of some crude and gaudy colour and the conventional chimney-pot hat had been discarded for a shabby old wide-brimmed felt wide-awake altogether it was by no means the costume which a british merchant with any self-respect whatever would select even for a country visit and thus they met as perhaps never since this world was first set spinning down the ringing grooves of change met father and son before End of chapter thirteen